Welcome to the State of Survival podcast. In this podcast, we discuss the survival game genre, its updates, game content, bugs and fixes that players interact with, and the overall community surrounding these kinds of games. I hope you folks are having a wonderful day, and I hope you enjoy sitting back and listening to it. Welcome to the State of Survival podcast, folks, where I state weird things and try to survive my wife's wrath shortly after the show ends. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we actually talk about uh, survival game genre, new releases such as the Minds of Moria from the Lord of the Rings game that just came out today to things such as Ark, Survival Evolved, DayZ, and much more about that. But today's episode is going to be spearheaded and ran by the guy down below me, Jarl Ghost. Jarl, what's going on today? Enshrouded, enshrouded, enshrouded. I am so pleased that they gave us a demo that sadly it did in two days ago, but you got an eight hour period to get your teeth sunken into the game. And this is all about what we thought, what we felt, what we experienced, and even what we enjoyed and didn't enjoy. Uh, but but keep one mind thing in mind, folks, and please, please keep it in mind. This demo is a precursor to the early access version of the game. So some of the things we may have problems with will most likely get worked out along the road, especially with what we saw. So try not to judge it too harshly. Sit back and hear what we think. Relax. And we're going to try to cover as much as we can. But my question I'd like to prompt to you now, which we will visit later, is what are you most excited about with Enshrouded? Would you play it? And if so, is this a typical survival game that interests you? Let's get on with the topic. Enshrouded the demo. The demo was actually kind of announced to be happening during Streamfest, which took Dump and I by surprise. Uh, there were a ton of games putting out demos I didn't really expect Enshrouded to release a demo before an early access release. I, I don't know about you, Dump, but I, I was taken aback by it. Uh, yeah, I was actually quite, I guess, giddy when they put out the announcement on Twitter or X, as it's called, about that they were going to be doing a demo between these times. They at first didn't directly link it to the, uh, to the Streamfest from Steam, but it was pretty interesting to find. Yeah, and when I the moment you and I had heard about it and we started looking into it, I saw it right then and there, ready for download. And I was just so relieved. There was no money up front. It was just something to download and play and try. And I really feel like that this voxel RPG survival game is going to have an incredible place in the survival genre. And it was amazing to see somebody put it out there for us to try without tapping their palms for more cash. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And uh, no, this is not the Streamer Shrouds game. This is a game called Enshrouded from King uh, Software Studios. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful game. I would like to let people know that me and Jarl tried the true demo version that was put out. Uh, there was a demo version that was sneakily put in because they had to start the demo um, a couple of days before uh, Steam Fest did happen. But they told people repeatedly online that that demo version that was out before Steamfest fully started was an incomplete demo and that they were forced to do that. So we played the true demo and this is what we're going to be talking about. As we discuss that, one of the things that I want to hear what your initial impressions were of the game and if they prepared us or did a good job preparing us for the demo. Um, I know, like you said, they had that demo right in the beginning and it wasn't a full demo. And then they released the demo after that, that everybody could go grab. Do you feel like you had everything you need to just pick up the game and start playing? Oh, yeah, definitely. And um, I loved how open they were with the community about it, too, because they didn't just go, oh, yeah, we have a little Steam Fest, uh, you know, demo out there. They were all like, no, go play it. Go, go do this. Go do awesome. Because uh, one of the conditions in some of the early accesses, if you're going to be releasing early access within the same time frame as Steamfest, um, like within a couple of months, you have to put it on the Steamfest first as a demo. So I was really excited to see that they were embracing that. Or at least I do believe that is the condition of doing early access before uh, doing before doing early access. Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing that I, and you had given me the warning because you kind of just 
tapped into it to see if there were any requirements or if there were any issues with the game. But I loved the warning the game first popped up. The moment you started launching it right at the main menu, it was a clear warning that the game had not been optimized. And they were fairly transparent as to why. You know, they haven't done RTX yet. They were having some issues with the AMD cards. So graphical fidelity uh, needed to be turned down in order to run smoothly. But I thought their clear transparency and how concise the explanation was, it didn't leave us wondering, well, is this game complete? Is it going to run? They gave us a reason why. And then they recommended how to get around that. And I thought that was so refreshing. Yeah, it definitely is refreshing. And it's nice because what it does is it shows that they're trying to be inclusive with a lot of the people wanting to play the demo. Game software could have done, uh, unfortunately, what some people have done in the past and been all like, get better, get a better PC. But they deliberately went out of their way. They didn't push up a hotfix, folks, or anything like that. But they did go out of their way to let people know how to, like you all said, play the demo. Is the demo the best for you? Even at the settings they told you to do it? Probably not. But at least they made the attempt. And that's what I enjoyed about it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think... So one of the things that they did mention, that the game was not in its final state. And I was relieved to read that. Because whenever you're having those issues where, yeah, we need to optimize, of course. But this is final gameplay. I felt like it still gave us room to give feedback. And in fact, they encouraged the feedback openly. Um, they even indicated that there would be an early access later on. So just the levels of transparency that we've seen, the closed beta, the demo during the stream fest, and then we have an early access coming later on. It really makes me feel like they're going back in time to where how games used to release and following those steps. But what I also loved about it is they backed up their words with actions and they were responding to people who were playing the demo very openly on their social medias. No matter how big or small you were, if you were a content creator or you weren't a content creator, they would respond as much as they could, which was really amazing. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that I guess more or less made me happy about this demo is that even if this demo I feel was shot uh it would have been uh no king software would have been listening to people trying to respond to them and everything else it showed that they were truly seeing this as a test bed as it truly should be to better mm -hmm. their game because it's not just about better graphics they could put in or better features it's also about quality of life uh how easy it is to use the game how hard was it to learn convoluted whatever right and i felt a lot of people who criticized the game hard they still responded, and this is the key note. They responded with respectful um, understanding of what the person was trying to convey. I always used to say this in New Dawn when I played, or was I, when I was running it. You sometimes have to sh um, shift through the, the, the poop to find the golden nuggets, and that's exactly what they were doing with a lot of the responses. They were literally addressing what little piece of golden nugget they could get from the, you know, convoluted or really mean uh, posts about the game, which I didn't actually see many, which was really nice to see. Yeah, it was nice. I, I saw a little bit at first, right? But I don't think people expected the devs to reach out to them and go, okay, let me hear you out. And then you're like, well, actually, I don't really have, you know, it, it wasn't that people backtracked. It was that people felt like they were being listened to. And they must have hired a linguistics major who specializes in taking internet hate and finding the good truths hidden within a hateful comment like everybody when you go on the internet you're like i'm gonna give them peace in my mind they got that whole uh aggressive nature out of the statements and they were able to piece together what's the real recipe of this person's problems and they acknowledged everybody's problems that they could which was really refreshing how different did the game feel compared to our previous episode where we analyzed the game, the screenshots, and the footage. How, how, how different did it feel to you? Uh, honestly, it definitely felt different, but in almost a more positive way. I almost kind of felt like we were going to be way more restricted or i also i kind of had two opinions but i thought we were going to be able to do anything we wanted and break down pretty much anything really quickly 
or we were not going to be able to really explore as much as we thought we could. I thought that, right. you know, broken down ruins and all that kind of stuff, you know, some of them were going to be destroyable, but a lot of them weren't. But I can happily say that there was a huge bridge, which we can see in our photo right here. I could literally, if I wanted to and had enough time, spend all day mining that entire bridge. Um, but I think... <laughs> God bless our chats, by the way. We had people in our chats going, get the grappling hook. You need the grappling hook to cross the bridge. We're like, no, we were farting around with it. We were trying to find alternative paths to get across that bridge. And uh, it was so fun not getting the grappling hook and the wingsuit right away and just trying to problem solve our way through it. Because when you have a voxel game, that's the beauty of it. And I really, yeah. I really felt like they did a great job. But yeah, and that, that's what was different, though, is like in the footage that they showed before they put out the demo, it looked like I could literally burrow my way like through the ground all the way up and pop out in an enemy camp behind enemy lines and just w lay waste to them. But that wasn't the case. Uh, we had to actually be very tactical, even approaching enemy encampments. Yeah, we could break down the Palisade walls, but once we start smacking on those walls, they started to come over and try to attack us, whether they were coming out the entrance or coming mm -hmm. to the wall like, hey, we know you're here. Once you break it, we're going to say hi. You know, yeah, but, like it was nice. It was. And and I'm going to go through this in more detail later on in the episode. But one of the things I'd like to highlight is when we were first analyzing the game, there was a lot of unknowns. When you saw the enshrouded areas and you saw the beautiful areas, it really felt like they were miles apart that they were completely separate zones i was taken aback at how beautifully the enshrouded was weaved into the good scenery when you and i were trying to find an alternative path to build we ran into that issue where we couldn't get to the other islands until we had better gear because there were little dips and enshrouded zones in between each area and i i was surprised with how effortlessly it flowed with the biomes yeah I, I agree, because one of the things I first, when we first talked about this, I kind of had the, like, maybe feeling about was that there were going to be a lot of old ruins on the overworld, but um, there were going to be entrances to, like, maybe the underground area, kind of like thinking about, like, where, you know, the greater Seattle area, where the city's built on top of city kind of situation. I thought that's mm -hmm. what was going to happen, but that's not really the case. Like you just said, y'all, it kind of was like a... Yes, there are those areas, of course, but the world is very much a mosh-posh of both, a very well-melded combination. Um, yeah, I, like that. I totally agree. I definitely, and I agree. And for those of you who aren't from Washington State, I was thinking it was going to be like Venice, where you would have like sunken areas or areas that were buried underground uh, that they just kept on building on top of. But it, it really wasn't like that. And I thought it was great. First of all, I would like to point out how great the smoke and fog effects were done. Uh, when you play a game like Valheim, which has a kind of similar art style, I don't want to say the same because I think Enshrouded is better in a lot of many different ways. But I was afraid that by dumbing down my graphics to medium that I would be set back visually and wouldn't get the full experience. But to tell you the truth, seeing the Enshrouded and all the foggy areas and, and seeing smoke from our fires and torches it felt like real smoke. We had encased our flame altar, which we'll talk about that later as well, inside a building. And it was nice to see how that building filled up with smoke. It felt so organic. I, I loved their, their smoke effects and the lighting in the game is just amazing. And this one I wanted to touch base with you because I thought this was kind of something that we always talk about. This demo was very much an eight hour tutorial. And tutorials either flood you in the very beginning and don't let you test the game and give you everything up front and then they're hands off. Some games are completely hands off and you have to figure out everything on your own. But I noticed that this tutorial system was almost displayed like a quest line. Um, it, it felt handholdy at times, like when they told us when we were supposed to build our base, when we were supposed to go out, it's time for you to get a grapple hook. But at the same time, it wasn't overbearing. How, how did you feel about the tutorial aspects of it? Uh, I, I like the tutorial aspects because the tutorial, the tutorial aspects did what I like in video games, which is the tutorial's there if you want it, but you don't necessarily need it. 
It tells you how to essentially progress, kind of like any other quest storyline, to uh, quest storyline, but it's a tutorial, like Yarl said. And the reason, a good example of this is Yarl was talking about, uh, you know, you know, the quest line being there and being like a tutorial. But we didn't have to follow the tutorial to advance. There were many times we like found a different route or a different method or whatever to get to the objective it was telling us to get to. We didn't have to do everything in precisely the order it told us to do it, which was really nice. And that moves us on, since we're talking about smoke and fog, to the next subject, which should be graphic and world design. What did you think of the graphics overall? And I know we were testing different levels of graphic fidelity. You were running on low graphics. I was running on medium with some higher light things. I did it to keep shadows on medium because anything higher than that and I was getting 10 frames a second, but they did warn me that that would happen. But what did you think of the graphical feel of the game, even playing at lower settings than you normally would? Uh, on low graphics, uh, and mind you folks, I am not a very big snob when it comes to graphics. If I can play it and it looks halfway decent, uh, then I'm happy with it. Um, but it was quite pretty for me. Um, I have taken plenty of screenshots. I have well over 22 hours of recorded footage on it because uh, there's a little thing where you can make a new character and play it for eight hours again. So I kind of mm -hmm. got a lot of footage on that. Another but, genius um, thing they did I, in my mind because yeah. it allows you to play with different groups of people and show other groups of people the game. Yeah, um, and you know, that was really awesome. There were there were um, there were you know small fractions of God rays. The lighting was beautiful. Like there were so many cool things, and I didn't feel like I sacrificed a lot visually when I changed my graphics. Now this could be, folks, because the graphics weren't as important as they will be later on. Uh, I know that some early access games don't really have what you would call true changes in graphics itself. It just changes as maybe like how like anti-aliasing and stuff like that. You know, maybe the edges aren't as sharp or whatever, but the detail is still there. Uh, you don't get re lower resolutions or whatever. I'm not sure with Unfrighted, but I know other games in the past have had that effect. So I could have been looking at decent uh, textures or not. We'll have to see when it comes into early access or full game. But just looking at the rock walls, because I was able to watch your guys' stream at the same time I was playing too, and I could see that my rock walls did not look significantly different than your guys' right. rock walls when we were building our house. And that's actually really cool for me, that I don't lose that much immersion. Uh, a good example of this, and uh, I love to use this example, it's like playing vanilla Minecraft and then someone playing with a texture pack. Right. There's always right. a huge difference in video games, right? Or most games. In this game, I felt like they balanced it quite well if the graphical settings are truly uh, being changed. Yeah, and, and after hearing you say that, because I was talking to Dimension and stuff about it, because he also was our guinea pig, uh, very much so a guinea pig. We made him do a lot of stuff that we should feel bad about. <laughs> but uh, what I, I will say is there's certain things with the max graphics that I would actually turn down after experiencing the game. There was one point where we were deep in the shroud. We fought our first boss, and there was this big thing that we had to attack. I don't want to reveal too many details. But the bloom is a little aggressive on max settings and i'm not normally a person who plays with a lot of blooms so there are certain settings that you can get away with playing on low um but the world design showed tons of abandoned structures and they're really playing into what enshrouded sold us on that it was a world left to rot and taken by the shroud did you feel the locations and other things we found gave a feeling of a setting that had been told and seen in footage before or did you feel like you learned more about it yeah so at first i felt that it wasn't really giving me that kind of a world forgotten taking back by time situation but as we explored uh we came across this large town area with a, a church and a bunch of other things some farmland and it was really really fun and like I have to say, I'm not one who usually stops and, like, looks at my surroundings in awe when it comes to, like, structures built by either, you know, generated by the game or however it's made. But this was really cool. And I think the voxel part of this game really played well into that kind of decrepitation and lost civilization look 
um mm -hmm. you know to it and i really enjoyed that um and it's cool because like they did have little notes folks out there that said different things and what was very nice i think this was the cherry on the top yar you can agree with me if you want to but i think it was nice that some of these notes gave us coordinates or map mm -hmm. locations to go and explore further they weren't a hundred percent oh this is some lady who was scared for her life during the end of the time that she was around or whatever it was actually sometimes useful to read them yeah i actually felt first of all the writing in the notes wonderful they not only had a really good writer write the notes but the notes were written in character so some notes you found that were written by a, a young girl who lost her parents sounded like a young girl who lost her parents wrote it but it felt like fallout where the holotapes that you sometimes listen to He'll be like, well, I'm glad I stored that stuff in the fridge behind the river. And then that waypoint would pop up. We saw that a lot in that game. And and to your point about the voxel, you know, being so amazing, there were a lot of times we found ruins that were sunken in the ground or you needed a grappling hook to get up to the top. But Dump and I were able to use our problem solving brain and get up to surfaces. Um, when you climbed up to the top of the church everybody in my chat's like not nah, you gotta have a grappling hook for that you gotta you were able to figure it out you use the voxel to get around the terrain a little bit hop up on some things and it was so nice that we had different pathways um a lot of the things like the wingsuit and the grappling hook you have to make with stuff you find in the shroud but we were getting our butt whooped for a little bit there so it was just nice being able to use the voxel environment to our advantage when the time time suited right. uh but before we go into talking about our exact experiences, as well as what we did to Dimension and myself, um, <laughs> let's go ahead and go over our staff updates and introductions, as well as our hot takes for the week. So folks, I am very excited this week. I don't normally play horror games because in my opinion, they always rely on jump scares and they're not real horror like they used to be. But tomorrow I'm gonna to be streaming a game called Stray Souls. And it is a game that is made with Unreal Engine 5. And I gotta tell you, they do all of the horror tropes of like a creepy shadowy figure peeking around a tree and that's all they do. But with the Unreal Engine 5, it really brought it to life. And the game feels so much like the originals uh, Silent Hill that I feel like we've kind of gotten in touch with horror games that focus more on the environment and storytelling as the horror and not just pure panic and jump scares. So we'll be doing that tomorrow. Um, I'm hoping I can't promise anything for this week, but if not this week, next week, I'm going to be trying out the Minds of Moria game because that game looks sick. I'm super excited for that. But my hot take for today is automated tools, cheating or surviving. You know, a lot of games, they have automated tools such as uh, blowtorch fire starters, pop tents for extreme weather, off-road vehicles, kind of like in Sons of the Forest, they have a lot of that stuff. At what point do these tools meant to supplement prim uh, primitive survival feel like cheating? Or is it just another survival technique? I say it's just as valid as primitive survival, especially if it's something you have to find or earn. Survival isn't about ego. It's about living. So even if you have a blowtorch to start a fire that you found, I don't consider that cheating. And that's my hot take. That was sizzling. Oh, thank you. Uh, um, folks, I have uh, personally been out in the um, out and working hard on remaking all of my ammo making casings and bullet tips models, as well as some things in the background for ammo making as far as functions go. Really excited for it. If you guys don't follow me on Twitter and stuff, I've been posting photos of it on Twitter, as well as I have a full breakdown of how many voxels I've reduced in faces to optimize my uh, mod for Daisy. As well as, I also have been uh, helping my friend completely plaster, or in America we call it mudding, his entire house, which I do not like doing. <laughs> at all. Um, but he's my friend and he asked me to do it and I'm more than happy to sit around and work on that while we BS around. Uh, but there is another really cool thing, hot take wise, that happened to me this past week. 
I was invited by Bohemia Interactive, the people who make Arma, Daisy, and Vicar, uh, as well as Wildlands, to come into a special Discord that wanted feedback about the future of modding for Arma. Their Armor Reforger engine um, mod, yeah, yeah. Uh, their Armor Reforger is using their brand new in-house built game engine called Infusion, and they wanted to know from Arma modders, Daisy modders, and even Arma um, Arma Reforger modders how we can better and how they themselves can better the modding for it. I uh, had the privilege of sitting in there and listening to all the BI employees talk about this amazing stuff and what they wanted to hear from us. It was more of a feedback roundtable situation, which was really awesome. They broke us up into a uh, bunch of comps channels that you can jump in. The um, roundtables, they call them, were 20 minutes each. You could jump wherever you wanted, comms-wise, listen in or ask questions. And then they would have a break, and they would have another 20 minutes to uh, talk about this stuff. I was for um, I sat inside of the mod making and publishing one, and I was fortunate enough to hear some people in there ask some interesting questions. Some from Arma modders, some from myself, and some from even Lad inside the Daisy community. This overall, well, I won't go into the full details. So I'll probably make a video about this later in the week. Really getting in depth about everything that happened to me, really sung to my heart because this was, in my opinion, one of the first true outreaches I've seen. I make to the modding community as a whole, not just one particular game. And in my opinion, it turned out really well. Um, everyone was very respectful. Everyone had really good questions. And I felt like it was truly a group of people who wished to learn and to share their experiences to better the game um, than it was a bunch of people wanting to cry and whine. I will, will share one of the coolest things, questions that was asked is will bi um, allow version control and they said that they really liked that idea and for those of you who may not know uh when it comes to mods right now on steam workshop when you update a mod you get the update it doesn't matter some people don't want that update so they might enable an option in the future with the armor reforger work um, workshop where you can literally choose versions of updates that are further back if you don't want to go to the newest update of a mod but Overall, just many cool things like that, and even things like uh, specific mod versions of your mod to work with all the platforms, PC, Xbox, PlayStation, so modders don't have to feel like they're restricting their availability or what they can do for the consoles as well as their PC mods. But I'll get more into that later this week, but just wanted to let you folks know about that, and uh, that's my hot take for today. Oh, go ahead, Red. Oh, I see a comment. I see those glasses, and I think Boris from Men in Black. Excellent. Ooh. That's exactly what I was going for. <laughs> I, I have to say, uh, what I really liked about when you were describing it to me is it felt like they did it like an interactive panel at a con. And that's so cool that they did it that way. Oh, man, that's yeah. neat. Okay, folks, we're about to get back into more Enshrouded, but again, I'm going to go ahead and state our community response that we're going to be asking you all the questions. What are you most excited about with Enshrouded? Would you play it? And if so, is this a typical survival game that interests you? We'd love to hear your answers to that, as well as uh, leave it down in the comments and let us know. All right, it's time to crack open the hood and talk about the game's nitty gritties. With the UI flow of interfaces, and the quality of life and ease of use of the UI, because I know that is a contention when it comes to survival games. <laughs> Did you feel that the demo UI was easy to understand and use? And did you feel it was a good way to showcase the player's needs and give you an intuitive idea on what you had to do next? Uh, yes and no. Um, I felt that obviously, um, yeah, my health uh, and my stamina was very apparent. Um, you know, what I, uh, my, my toolbar was pretty easy to understand. But I think the inventory system itself, and I would say um, the base building system, was a bit convoluted. 
I say inventory system, and mind you folks, I know this may not be industry standard, but <laughs> I like it when my inventory is easy to access and I don't have to push I every time to open my inventory. Because in a game like Enshrouded, you're constantly having to rearrange your inventory and move things around. But I had to reach over for my WASD all the time to push that I button or move, move my hand from the mouse. And I feel that tab or some other kind of buttons would be so much more beneficial. Now that could be a key binding issue that I could do myself later on, but I feel as a default, it should be a lot more intuitive for me to open up than pushing I across my keyboard. Yeah, and I have a problem when survival games do that where I is the only access to inventory because some games, the H or the U hides your HUD. So there are times you're like, oh, I'm in a battle. I better open up my inventory. And you accidentally hide your HUD. And you're like, no, that's not what I wanted. <laughs> and I, I, I agree oh, yeah. with you with the inventory. I think the inventory, they definitely went for simplicity and not elegance. But that simplicity kind of conflicted with the elegant building design. Um, and I also think that the building UI just kind of needs to be reformed. Um, for example, there are different types of blocks you all can build, and you'll learn how you get those blocks designs later on. But when you go to construct, it's like, here's our walls, here's our door, and it's just kind of all thrown up. They didn't have, I would have preferred a category system with a drop down, maybe, instead of a big window that just kind of flooded your screen. Um, yeah. I also didn't understand the second hotbar when there's not a shortcut to flip them. So you had like your bulk inventory and then you had your stuff in your primary hotbar and then you had like a secondary hotbar that you could open up your inventory and drag items you need like health potions or torches whenever you needed it. But I don't like a game where in order to have quick access to this stuff that you feel like your character should, you had to open up your menu just to do that real quick. There were a lot of points, even in combat, where it's like, oh, man, explosives, we need healing, that I'm just staring at a wall for a second or two while I'm grabbing stuff and moving stuff around. I don't have a solution to that, but I think maybe in Star Trek Online, one of the things they had is if you press Control-Alt-1, Control-Alt-2, you could swap hotbars. So you could have a combat one and an exploration one and just swap them real quick. I think that might be You're talking about system. that secondary about yeah that like secondary the secondary bar, right? one right below mm -hmm. oh tilda immediately switched brave or whatever it's called <laughs> i'm sorry buddy i'm sorry okay um, well maybe i didn't that, see uh, that. <laughs> that that but it, it's a weird place like when i think of tilda i think of console i think of other kind of situations yeah, i think that's a forbidden key yeah um but you know like even like um the base building situation uh i can speak about that one for a little uh, uh, real quick about it yeah i totally agree like i would have rather had a more clean i guess building experience because it has a bar on you know this side and then it has a bar on the bottom and then it has a bar on this side and then you like you have a window there which you can see clearly quite a bit of but then you have your health bar, you know, over here, right? And then there was just so much UI clutter mm -hmm. when I was base building that it kind of made a thing. Now, obviously, I'm expecting they're going to add a hide UI button later on. So maybe this won't be that much of an issue. But I would rather have a button that pulls up my base building options. And then I just choose what I want, choose the material I want, close it, and then build with it, and then open that up again. Hockey, whatever. Um, might be the reason why they didn't use tab for inventory but you could only use the base building stuff when you had a hammer in your hand. So that also doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, you know how they could have done it. And I just thought of this, like Medieval Dynasty and a lot of games out there. Medieval Dynasty has a clunky build system until you get used to it, but they could have had a button that brought up a wheel. A wheel would have been so much better, like just right there in the middle, not obstructing your view. Uh, because even though we were in our flame area and we were safe, as we notice later on, sometimes some roaming enemies wander into your property and you got to go fight them off, whether it's just a couple of enshrouded fungal zombies that show up or wolves or whatnot. Um, there was a time I was trying to help you guys build and a wolf was like, oh, look, a goat. And then it saw me and was like, oh, look, a yarl of goats. And I'm sitting there like, okay, ah. so that's the wall. That's the... Ah! <laughs> so it, it would be better to have something... Uh, but 
You know, I, my next question was, how do we find the demo keybinds and overall interactions to use the system inside the game? And did they feel natural to us? Apparently, if you actually read, you realize that the tilde key does something, but that does not feel natural, like, like we were saying. I think maybe a different button to swap it. I don't know. All right, you people in chat. Yeah. Arma is a very different kind of game than most games out there. I don't <laughs> want to hear about that. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, it, you know, there were some things that were, didn't, like I said, with the whole, uh, you know, building UI, you had to have hold control and then you could scroll between your materials. Unless I was specifically like 100% focused on my UI, I would have never seen that. Um, even if you look in the key bindings, you see that, but it doesn't necessarily click for you, right? Um, and I also feel that there are some other situational things, uh, quality of life-wise. Like, I would love a button to uh, make my um, base building, or rather my terrain uh, 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 manipulation, uh, get bound to a axis. I would love that. Because, mm -hmm. for example... Yeah. Uh, we're running around trying to build, uh, well, you know what? Quality of life wise, just having it bind to accesses. And I'll talk about that a little bit later about my ideas about that. Stuff. Yeah. I, I think that, um, one, one of the struggles, just so you guys understand what we were struggling with in the videos that they released in the summer, they would show them putting a doorway in and then with the hammer choosing a different kind of threshold keystone kind of design. We still couldn't figure out how to do that because it wasn't very clear. So who knows? We'll see. With that being said, the voxel system. How did you find the voxel-based system? And did you feel like it gave you the freedom that it had originally shown? Or did it fall flat and need more love? Out of all the things in the game, I love the voxel system. I love any form of being able to man manipulate the world to your benefit or to your beauty. Remember, beauty, I is in the beauty. I is in the beauty is not a holder. Apparently, I can't say crap. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean it's truly awesome the amount of power we did have. And what was cool is that it wasn't just oh I can make a nice really flat area. It was I could truly sculpt the land how I saw fit. If I wanted to start building inside of a mountain, I could literally sculpt it. This is one of the things that Minecraft and games that have similar system like Minecraft do so well. Uh, whether it be Seven Days to Die, Minecraft, Space uh, Engineers, so many, Space Engineers, so many things. That system allows so much freedom for a person to make use because, again, this is a survival game and a person is going to be incredibly uh adept at what they're doing we talked about this a while ago yara where we talked about how ancient civilizations built places that were convenient but also safe people building inside on the, on the side of mountains or the rock cliff bases um down in south america and so many other places this kind of system allows us to do that you know hey you know what we don't have water near us that really sucks okay let's dig a channel to bring water from the gorging river to our home. Right. You know, in most games that don't allow voxel, that would never really be possible. I agree. I agree. And my favorite thing about it was when we were trying to figure out how to flatten the land. And we were using picks and we weren't getting accurate stuff. And then you found out there was a leveling tool. And it's funny how much faster that leveling tool works. Like, da -da 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 I thought you were shooting a gun, <laughs> but it was so refreshing. Then I made a critical mistake, and I'm going to warn you, chat, don't do this. I had a bunch of dirt. I'm like, what do we need this dirt for? And I got rid of it. I threw it down into the enshrouded. Not realizing, duh, dirt will also be needed to raise land to make it level, but also it's used in crafting, which I thought was so cool. Like, you actually need it to make charcoal and stuff like that. And that's such a cool oh, yeah. dose of realism that they thought of that just shows you how in-depth the crafting system is. I, I really appreciated that. Yeah. So we did talk about this a little bit, so this will be more short, shorter form than I would like. Did you find the building intuitive or did you find it clunky? I found it clunky at first, but I think once we got the hang of it, having like the, the little ghosts, the holograms snap to, I think we got quicker at it. 
Uh, but it was a little frustrating at first because when you only have eight hours to build a demo, it just felt like we were restrained with our lack of just knowing how to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was it. It was just, it wasn't necessarily the system was fully bad. Um, again, like we said with the UI, there could have been things to help it better. And, uh, but I also feel like, um, like I said, uh, being able to lock on accesses because like when I initially was build, um, trying to flatten the terrain, uh, using the rake tool isn't less, the leveling tool isn't necessarily perfect for all circumstances. So sometimes you just mm -hmm. want to do a mass uh, flat area. But the problem was, is I kept changing my elevation of the hologram because you could remove terrain that way. And I kept creating these awkward like divots or increases in height or whatever. Um, and I feel like just being able to walk to accesses will definitely greatly help somebody, especially if you're like building up way high. I can uh, I could not imagine how difficult it was for some of these cool base build base building examples people have created on how frustrating it was to get that perfect angle to put that block when they could just lock to an axis and always get it there. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing and maybe even have a little visual green or red arrow pointing off so that you knew what direction you were building and you could visualize where you would be intersecting with some terrain might help. I also noticed we were playing with an experiment. Huh, let's build a tunnel from our base all the way down to the enshrouded. And both Dump and I were like, cheek, 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 cheek with pickaxes. And we're like, this is so easy. Look, this hole is perfect. It's like two circles. So we got a nice little curved top and this could be excellent to fit through. But then when we turned around, we didn't realize that when you're pick using your pickaxe to clear voxel terrain, it creates a little <laughs> lift in voxel terrain behind you, like loose dirt. And we turned around and looked at that and went, ah, screw it. And we just kind of built a really poopy staircase at first, but we immediately went back and refined that with the leveling tool, making it smooth so we could run in and out and then building the stairs proper up to our base. Um, Again, I think it was just getting used to the voxel system, but I do love how using a pickaxe makes it sloppy. Using the level tool cleans it up. It, it just adds a lot of longevity to the game. Yeah, definitely. Um, the next thing I want to talk about was the building system. I think it had a soft progression lock, which I kind of appreciate because ultimately this game, you're supposed to party up with your friends and go down into the Enshrouded and fight for new recipes, fight for new building materials, discover the story, find ways to get from quest to quest. And when you first start, you're very limited on size. It's 40 by 40 for the first level of Flame Altar. Then you can increase the flame, which increases your guys' stats, making you better in combat. Then you can level up the flame altar, which turns it into an 80 by 80 square. So you don't want to just go ham on building your settlement right out of the gates. You want to start off with a couple small buildings, go out in combat, level up, and get that uh, flame altar radius to be bigger. Did you feel that was intuitive, or did you not like being that limited out the gate? I kind of enjoyed having to upgrade the altar itself. Um, even if it was a little bit restrictive, I also felt that it gave me something to do immediately. It wasn't right. like I couldn't just put down the altar and be all like, okay, I'm good, and then just build nothing nonstop. Um, which was really nice because a lot of games I feel sometimes are more like, you can't do this because you just don't have the materials. But honestly, I feel that that is more of a material kind of difficulty rather than being like you're progressing and this is why you can do better things. Yeah, absolutely. And I do love the fact that the flame altar changes visually as you upgrade it. And one of the because at first we just put it inside our building and we thought nothing of it. But as we were upgrading, we're like, oh, let's put some support pillars and make it look beautiful. And one of the things that we have on screen right now is a picture that they had during the initial screenshots from the summer. 
And you see that it shows upgrade altar and it shows a construction crane like the ones they use in the medieval ages with the little hamster wheels. What I liked about what they did with the demo is instead they showed you a ghost image of what the next level of altar would look like. And for somebody like me, I care about the cosmetics of my base. Seeing what the next level looked like got me excited. I was like, oh, the level two one looks cool. We got to go do this. You know, it really kind of was little motivation and, and they did small things like that, and I really do appreciate it. Now, no, you is, hear me? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, that is very nice. I do enjoy that kind of stuff. The one thing we noticed is when we first started, you don't have very many building materials. It's like wood and basic stone. And after seeing the builds that I've seen online, I was like, how does that work? I didn't put any much thought into it. Um, your construction materials are unlocked when you pick them up, when you harvest them out in the nature. So like Dumb and I, we were in this enshrouded area trying to look for loot. And what I love about this game is that you'll go into an enshrouded area that's like a gorge in the ground, just full of fungus. It's glowy. It's it's haunting. We just had to slay a bunch of fungal monsters. We're sitting there looking at our time and then enshrouded starts at five minutes and it's going down and down. And we're like, oh, we got to figure this out. That's it. It's just a gorge in the ground. Nothing there. But then Dump found a little crack in the wall that had a chest inside another cavity. So we had to really like clear out the area just to make sure there wasn't anything in there. And once we cleared it out, we got a mycenaeal block so that we could build like fungus covered rock walls and stuff. We noticed that as well when we uh, tore down a burnt down building, we knocked out a wall. We got the charred wooden walls uh, or the tar covered walls. A lot of these really cool different building materials by just going out and looking at the ruins and going, wow, that looks cool. I want that design. Let's tear it apart and bring it back to base. Um, and it was so neat. Um, yeah. What was your favorite like aspect of recovering construction materials? Was there one that you found that you're like, wow, that looks great? Because I noticed your stairway uh, looked different. Yeah, so I found this, uh, I think it was like uh, forgotten stone wall or something. But what it looked like, it was it was like a stone wall, but there was mud packed onto it. Like, you know, it had rained, the wind had blown, all that kind of stuff. And over time, the mud had just kind of caked on in different areas. And it made this really cool kind of like look to it. Or, or honestly, it looked like maybe somebody used mud as mortar instead. Who knows? But mm -hmm. it did look really nice. And I like that kind of... I know... Some people have said in the past and uh, that they don't like how rough some of these survival structures and stuff look like. Like, you can easily build that kind of stuff. But I also feel like a lot of people don't actually understand how to do proper uh, angle cuts and all that kind of stuff. So you'd have a lot of, not necessarily as much jank as you see in some survival games, but you'd still have some jank in the base building of stuff. So it's cool to kind of see that they still had it rough and tough, but it, had, it looked like it had logic to it. Many times right. you've seen survival games, it just doesn't look like there was a lot of logic. Like, it looks like someone used, like, three times more supplies than they should have to make a wall. Yeah. I definitely got the feeling when you first built that, because I was admiring it. To me, it looked like the Romo uh, Greco design, um, where it probably thousands of years ago looked great. But their way that they incorporated erosion into the design it was so well done because you could almost build that design down low where there's if you find a swamp where there's a lot of water and then put the good stone on top much like how the english repurposed roman forts for their castles and i love that you mm. can do that i love how you could look like your base was once ruins that you actually kind of build up I think the only thing I didn't like about it is that a lot of times when you go to the crafting workbench to make these blocks, it only showed you what you had. It didn't show you grayed out blocks that you could unlock because I think it would be really cool to see what you could unlock and then go on a scouting run to find that block. Uh, but then again, I guess part of the excitement of the game was when we did discover new building blocks and we were like, that's cool. Like it was a discovery. So, hmm. I don't know. I, I think I would still prefer the gray out overlays, but 
the exploration part of it was just so much fun. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, and, you know, some of the things out there uh, material wise required multiple materials to build. One mm -hmm. of the, the stone wall I found was dirt and stone. Well, what if maybe the only time you ever saw the grade out was when you already had one of the materials? See, that would be cool. That would be really cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I do like the fact discover... that you have to go get the block. That That's cool. Yeah. Keep that. <laughs> yeah, that is cool. Um, the other I thing, uh, real... too, but... mm -hmm. No, you first. Go ahead. The other okay. thing I liked about I... it uh, what, <laughs> was that, and you pointed this out, not every ruin is the same. It seemed like on the on the top side, right, we found a farmhouse that just kind of looked like it had been abandoned for a while, so the roof was caved in. But the designs of the farmhouse were really nice. Not everything just looked like ruins that were absolutely obliterated. Some of them just looked like they were neglected. Uh, some of them looked overgrown. And it was really cool getting ideas and inspiration from the NPC buildings we found. I, I didn't get that in Minecraft. I saw their buildings in the villages and was like, these are dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Well, the other cool thing about all this, folks, when you're talking about we're talking about the building system and everything else. Remember, folks, there's nothing stopping you from taking over these abandoned structures. Uh, you just have to put a flame altar nearby and you can take over that big church I scaled up or the farmhouse or whatever. You don't necessarily need to be confined to building it from the ground up yourself if you don't want to. Some of the most amazing Minecraft builds I've ever done is actually from uh not necessarily pre-made structures but from places that i've already done because you always kind of start off small and then you build bigger with any kind of base building game right uh, look at daisy project zomboy space engineers you never plan everything out perfectly so sometimes starting with a small structure sometimes gives you that security that you like because you all did say things can attack you um in, in the night or whatever and you won't um, see it coming sometimes yeah, and the other thing is, and this is a tip that we learned just through playing, we were thinking about rigging the game and putting multiple flame uh, altars next to each other to kind of extend our, round, our realm. We only got to play in a small area with the demo, a very small area, but you could see some of the areas off in the distance. So a lot of people might be hesitant to get down and build a big base because they don't want base regret. Like, oh, I wish I would have built here instead. What I say to you is if you're playing multiplayer, have one person build the first base, have all the NPCs gather there, that's your main hub. Then when you and your friends go out and you find that beautiful peak that you wanna build on and it's quite far from your base, have them build their flame altar there. Then when you go to another biome on the other side of the map, build a flame altar there so that you guys have multiple little outposts that you could build up and design as you go, but still have a place of harbor where you can craft, upgrade and build. And I think that's, that's such a cool aspect of the game. You bring up a really good point doing that, Jarl. And uh, just to add to that real quick, folks, you can fast travel from your mm -hmm. flame altars. So yes, you, you can. could technically move your base quite swiftly uh, doing it that way. Yeah, I, I think maybe moving the blacksmith would be difficult, like the NPCs you find. But still, being able to take supplies from your main hub and go to your other base, it it's a time saver. But I don't think it breaks the game. Uh we only played for eight hours, but we got to level four, almost level five. So there's a lot of longevity to it. Speaking of which, let's talk about my favorite part of the game. Combat, leveling, and class systems. Because this game was portrayed as a Dark Souls kind of game. It was portrayed where you'd fight bosses that had abilities and patterns and enemies that had abilities and patterns. And I remember the first fight we got into when we went in that military camp, and it was just you and I. And we got our butts handed to us it is so crazy how much difference a level three enemy does to a level two did you find that the visceral combat which is where when you click a button you swing did you find the combat intuitive and did you find it engaging or did you feel like it fell flat uh i uh, found the basic combat to be very fun um, however, it was a demo and we only got eight hours, so I was not able to level up enough, but later on, there were some cool things that came around with it. One of them even allowing me to, instead of rolling as a character, I would like semi teleport a short distance and then do mm -hmm. a cool spinning move. On that my was left rad. Hand. But the basic combat was very swift, very easy to understand, 
and it felt smooth. I didn't feel like I rolled and then I couldn't left click for a second um, or anything like that. As soon as I rolled, I was immediately able to jump up and try to do a slice um, stuff. So yeah, skills definitely unlock more possibilities, but the basic combat is definitely good for me. I had a lot of fun with the basic combat. I had a lot of fun. Um, I found it very reactive. Um, it, it didn't take a brain surgeon to figure out how to block Counter-Strike parry and stuff like that. I really did enjoy the way the combat worked. But the interesting thing, too, is did you feel like you needed a party when you went to some of these areas? Or was it just a largely a hack and slash murder that a group can enter in with no cohesion? So I feel that I could have taken on an enemy encampment by myself but I would have been far more strategic, stealth possibly, or even just be more cautious on how I fought the enemies. Um, but that's because the enemies didn't necessarily wait for me to finish fighting their friends. They attacked me at the same time their friends were attacking. So there's sometimes I had to be aware of two to three opponents at once trying to take me on. And I think that is um, awesome for more modern games doing because, uh, for example, Assassin's Creed, um, Two had this a very nasty I thought it was a bug but apparently it was part of the game where all of the enemies would wait for you to finish fighting one enemy before an en the other enemy swung they never mm -hmm. swung multiple at a time it was always one person swinging it was never more than that and in this game that's not the case you have to worry about arrows uh, explosives sometimes uh, melee and even sometimes magic users which I think we only encounter a couple but dang they hit Oh, yeah, they hit hard. And my favorite thing about it, all you loot ninjas out there, you will die. You will die. I tried to be a newt ninja just to see if Dimension and Dump can handle the fight, just to see how it would work. Some of those barrels are explosive, and they're clearly explosive. Some of them, when you break the barrel open to loot it, drops a bomb. So it's not something that you have to worry about one guy going and getting all the cool gear while everybody else is just sitting there doing all the work. If he does that, he's probably not going to live. Um, and you brought up Assassin's Creed, which makes me happy because the other thing I really loved about this game is the leveling system. There are three primary classes to the leveling system, or, or I like to call it schools of combat. Um, you basically spread out in a web and you can mix and match in any kind of combination you want to fit your needs. Um, I know that Dumpgraw, you were going paladin, so you were kind of focusing on the mage warrior and your healing abilities oh they came in clutch there at the end i was going the ranger warrior and i was unlocking things like when i crouched in the bushes it actually showed me stealthing and then it gave me an option to lure people or when they walked by gave me an option to do a massive amount of damage so it's cool that stealth actually works you know, in Minecraft, if a creeper sees you, hiding behind a tree ain't gonna save you. But in this game, you can actually run away from combat if you're really hurt, hide in the bushes, wait for them to come by and take them out. Um, and then we had, of course, poor Dimension. We're like, do you wanna do magic, range, or, or melee? And he's like, I, I don't know. I and we're like, here's a bow, here's a staff, here's this weapon, try this. What happens if you do this? He was kind of our guinea pig when it came to combat. Um, but the oh, other man. cool thing about the the skill tree was one of the things I was investing in. I could stay in the shroud for 10 minutes, <laughs> which it's insane that you can choose to level that way. It's like a really good scout ability. Um, and we yeah. only made it to level four in the eight hours we played, but we've got eight skill points to apply. Um, did you feel that this is a really good, fun, engaging leveling system, or do you think this is going to get old real quick? I think this is a fun system. Um, I've always been a fan of these kind of systems. Uh, one of the first introductions to this was the Spear Grid from Final Fantasy X. Um, but it really, as far as I... I don't know what the uh, level cap is in this game. But it truly uh, encourages and shows kind of specialization. Because there are things in the skill tree that also benefit your crafting. Uh, make you use less resources when mining, less durability, stuff like that. It's not 100% combat based. And I love that about games. I think more crafting games should, spe um, should give more specialization. 
I really think so. Right. Because it truly makes you value your other party members. Now, you can play this game solo, which um, is really cool, but you're going to have a lot more difficulty or longer time doing things. So I love games that have systems in place that encourage and promote cooperative and even team gameplay. Yeah, and you definitely need it when it comes to building, too, because while Dimension and Dump Grot were getting their teeth cut on the building system, I had to constantly forge supplies for them. Building is expensive, and I love that. I love that it's not a simple 64 rocks and I have an instant house for the night. It took a lot of building supplies, so it gave me something to do. And since I was a ranger, I was able to sneak and skulk around and get everything that we needed for the base, which was a lot of fun. Since we're coming towards the end, what were I'm going to do this one a little different. If you could rate this demo one to ten, what would you rate it? Would you recommend it? And would you play this again? Okay. Uh, for a demo, I would rate this a uh, six out of ten. Uh, and would I recommend it? Yes. Would I play it again? Definitely, because if this is what the demo gives me, and it's a six out of ten, I'm hoping that the early access is definitely way um is way better. Yeah, I, I personally would give it a seven out of ten. I think there's fundamental things about the AI that have to get fixed because I. I can't do 150 hours of some of these UI things. They'll drive me bonkers. Um, but 7 out of 10, would I recommend it? Yes. Do I feel like it's going to get better? Yes, definitely. So I'm I'm going to be back to play it for sure. Once it hits early access, um, the Arlo Goats channel is just going to be enshrouded. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, it's definitely something I recommend you guys keep your eyes on. Um, watch those YouTube videos of people playing it. You can even go and watch some of our VODs if you want to see the action between us. Uh, because once we were, I think we had an hour and a half left in the demo, we were goofing around. We built scaffolding as far up as we could go just to see how fast we could fall to the lowest part of the map. Uh, we were goofing around, but a lot of it was just testing the different mechanics. And my goodness, is it fun. Watching Dimension zoom out on his wingsuit from the top of the scaffolding, that was worth every resource we gathered to build that wingsuit, for sure. That was awesome. Um, oh, I don't know if you hear that. It looks like our reporter from the field is here. Earl, is that you? <laughs> Earl, buddy, you there? I, I don't think he's... There you are, Earl. You know, uh... I really hope you weren't in the enshrouded area when Dimension Dump and I were rolling through because we probably would have killed you a few times. Uh, how'd you fare in the demo? Kindred spirits. Oh, he's talking about the enshrouded. No, Earl, you were supposed to help us. You weren't supposed to socialize with the... Did you make many friends? <laughs> Well, I don't know. All You'd right. have to ask Dump. Yeah, I took out many of your friends. I didn't like them. <laughs> to be fair, <laughs> I, I liked your friends. I, I like your friends, <laughs> Earl. I was liberating them, okay? Uh, Earl, would you play this game again? As long as we were playing. Okay, that's nice. That's nice. Maybe it's because we're just bad at the game. I don't know. I don't know. Think. Are you saying Earl carries us? I Earl was definitely carrying us. In that first episode <laughs> where I died eight times on the one bridge trying to figure stuff out, I, I think Earl did a lot of the carrying for the team. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, All right, folks, let's get it back to our chat. Chat, you can comment below or you can comment while live. What are you most excited about in Shrouded from what you've seen? Would you play it? And if so, is this a typical survival game that interests you? Or is this kind of something out of the wheelhouse that uh, you're not used to that interests you? We'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, I was taken aback. Uh, I think... I was expecting more Valheim and I was kind of bummed about that, but this was a, a great experience. I, I loved it a lot. 
I do too. All right. Well, let's go ahead and head over to our closing statements recap and talking about our next episode. As you could see, we played the Enshrouded demo for eight hours and we were left wanting more, which is a great thing for a demo because that doesn't normally happen. Um, I think there's a lot of ways it could definitely be improved. So keep your eyes on that. Um, but again, this game is not going to be for the hardcore survivalists because you don't need to eat or drink to survive. But if you're into RPGs, it's that perfect balance of RPG and survival, which which I really appreciated. Dump, what are we doing on the next episode? Next episode, we're going to be talking about... Well, I guess you folks better show up and find out because it's going to be another fun one where I am going to be spearheading it. But folks, before you go, I want everyone to remember and please join me in thanking Yarla Goat's Red Falcon for being part of this podcast. Their links are always down below in the description. So folks, give them some love, watch some of their videos. And overall, don't forget to folks to like or possibly subscribe to our podcast here. Every subscriber counts and we appreciate your support. Have Thank a wonderful you all. day. Ta-ta for now. Bye-bye.